previously on Video Night. Well, I'm not sure I like how this tastes. Sir, the deadly hamster is on the loose again. Do you realize what this means? Oh, wrap your lips around my skull and suck it dry. The abattoir is flooded again. Well, no, I don't like curry. And now, let's listen to today's exciting episode, Pulp Adventures. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Michael. Did you discover the evil that resides in the hearts of men today? Yeah, kind of. Well, it's, it's a bit shadowy around here. Yeah, are you going to slam evil? Uh, I don't have any puns. Nothing. I, nothing, nothing for you know, All right. I'm I trying. set you up perfectly. Yeah, I, I know. What, what am I going to do? Like, uh, the, the phantom? Uh, what other reference? Like, I don't know. No, what you're supposed to say is, I can't stand around here. I'm going to take to the skies and fight crime. Yeah, something like that. I love that voice. That fighting crime. We're talking pulp sort of movies today. Yeah, not all of them, of course, because that would take uh, at least two hours, and a lot of them are not worth mentioning. Sure, there's fans of all of, like, Flash Gordon. Cool, you love it. I'm not really into it. Most of these are based on, like, old serials or comic strips. You know, that kind of pulpy quality. The Doc Savage movie is fine. Yeah, no, no, the Doc Savage movie is impossible to trudge through. Yeah, um, I I don't think it's that bad, but, like, there's other ones, you know, that came about. There was, um... Uh, Brenda Starr. Yeah, Brenda that Boring. that didn't do anything. That was like nothing. And it, yeah, yeah. So we're, there's a lot we're not going to mention, but we're going to name uh, specifically four pulp hero kind of movies that came out post Batman. You know, all of a sudden Batman was this massive, massive hit, and all the studios started to greenlight these action heroes that were based on old serials and comic strips and stuff like that. And instead of taking modern heroes, which is kind of strange, did you think that was weird that they didn't bother to pick anybody modern to do a movie about? Mm, kind of. I don't know. I mean... I mean, I think all that we got was The Punisher, and we barely got that. Yeah, we barely got The Punisher. That was, but they're all old-timey. The first one, I guess, is... The first one... I, we're just going to go in chronological order. A post-Batman, Touchstone Pictures, and Disney got together to do Dick Tracy. Let's go! Big boy, Caprice. Flat top. Prune face. Mumbles. Lips manless. And the blank are out to get the greatest detective of all time. I'm rubbing him out. I want him dead! Nobody touches Tracy but me. Tracy, Tracy. Tracy? You mind if I call you Dick? When it's time to fight crime, he's your man. Warren Beatty is Dick Tracy. Starts Friday, June 15th at a theater near you. Yes. You know, this massive, massive, this was another one where you could not get away from the promotion. The merchandising was everywhere. Yes. Not as successful by any means. I watched this, not yesterday, day before, whatever. I watched Dick Tracy and all these feelings of nostalgia, the vibe of that era just came flooding back more so than the Batman movie. And I was all about the Batman movie. And we're talking nostalgia of 1989, 1990, right? Yes. Not of the era the movies are set. Yeah. You know, I said Batman, but you know, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit had to have some sort of hold in that well, direction. Batman came out and Dick Tracy actually was finishing shooting just as Batman was released. They had the same plot. Really? Yes. How? Here's the plot of both Batman movie and Dick Tracy. There is a villain who is going through the city and consolidating all of the organized crime. If you do not join him, he kills you. Uh... At the same time, there is a lone crime fighter who has some help, but he's pretty much a guy on his own. And he's going after the villain. Colorful cast of characters, a crazy weirdo, wacky villain with crazy makeup. All of this stuff is actually just coincidence. There was not enough time for them to start ripping off each other. So they have these two template storylines that overlay, but they're dressed up totally differently. 
never thought of that. You're right, it is. I would say there's, God, you know, I almost said that Batman was so much better, but I forgot time has gone by and changed things. Whereas now, that 89 Batman looks kind of campy. Well, yeah, and so does. Tim Burton has come out and said that he has no interest or love for Batman. Whereas Warren Beatty is clearly a huge, massive fan of Dick Tracy because he won't give up the rights after all these years. Oh, really? He's that's still, that's he, what's he happened? He still owns them and he won't get rid of them. Even though, clearly, at this point, someone else could come in and either do like an animated series or a live action show or another movie maybe huh that's weird it's not like he can play dick tracy anymore. he wasn't the guy when that movie was starting production which was in the in like 1980s when they started they started writing he was brought in well way, way later guy. nobody was but they, they brought him in way oh. later and then he took over and became the director eventually and all that and it was going to be a disney movie not touch them, but they just couldn't avoid Madonna's boobies. <laughs> well, also, it's a lot more violent than a normal Disney movie, though nowhere nearly as violent as the actual original comic strip. If you've ever read the comic strip, you're stunned it ended up in a newspaper. Like, that's a lot of blood. Yeah, I don't know where my book is, but I had a book of... See, this is what I'm saying. I was all about Dick Tracy when it came out, and it was all the graphic presentation of everything. The promotional material was very graphically intense and I'm not talking about subject matter I'm talking about the graphic design style it was based on the old images but it was kind of updated and well that iconic image of Dick Tracy yes. from the side in that little circle which came back recently as kind of like a pop thing a pop culture put other sure yeah kind yeah. of put other characters in that same look yeah that stuff drives me nuts when people do that uh, so that style was really interesting to me in in a way influential on me and my work in a way just a certain kind of a graphic design style way of cartooning. I had this big book of Dick Tracy stuff that I bought back then. I have no idea where it is now. None. But all that memory about me being way into it just hit me. Last time watching it, I was like, what the heck? Wow. I remember totally being into this. But the movie is a big action movie and it's long, except the camera doesn't move at all, ever. Which I almost admire. Nowadays, I'm almost sick and tired of nonstop edits, camera moving, I want to throw up. It, it, it lets it breathe. It, it looks like an older style movie where, you know, you, you couldn't afford that much camera setup. Every shot is a painting, but it also stops the movie dead. Does it? Because I don't think it does. Yeah, it really does. Last time watching it, it took a while getting through it because there was no movement. There was no moving forward. Everything was just still and stagnant. Everything is a pretty picture. It's like the prototype for, and I know I said this about Streets of Fire, but really it's this movie is a prototype for Sin City. Oh, definitely, definitely. And the spirit, which we could have talked about the spirit on this episode, but it's a bad movie. Blech. It's a terrible yeah, it's movie. Yeah, it's awful. That TV movie, have you ever seen a TV movie with Sam Jones? <laughs> no, but I've seen clips and that doesn't seem as any good either, but Sam Jones seems appropriately cast. He is. He's quite likable in it. You know, in Flash, it wasn't appropriate for him. I, he understood the campiness of it. They shouldn't have played it up so big. He's actually a lot more um, interesting actor later in life when he started becoming like kind of world-weary yeah. and a little more sarcastic. Yeah, and that was good for the Spirit. And the Spirit movie is very Sin City-like, and it looks... That's all it is. The looks of it are very Sin City-like, but it's a clunky script, and and it's not well it's not, not supposed to look like Sin City if you ever read the comics yeah you know that Will Eisner had not did not go for that kind of vision right originally it was black and white but still it wasn't Sin City that was Frank Miller's redo of it but my point is Streets of Fire to a lesser extent but Dick Tracy to an extreme extent I think 
is really, especially when you consider Marv. The, the character of Marv feels like he's straight out of a Dick Tracy cartoon. Now, what do you think about the makeup? At the time, my jaw was on the floor. Now it's a little distracting. There's a lot of things in this movie that's distracting to me. The makeup, even though they made something which seemed insane actually happen. The constant cameos. Oh, who's this played by? Oh, who's this played by? And Al Pacino's non-stop screaming. I say, you get behind me, we all profit. You challenge me, we all go down. There was one Napoleon, one Washington, one me. Which never ended. Apparently, the minute he started doing Dick Tracy, he just got stuck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I can't stand Al Pacino in this movie. Now, for those who don't know, Dick Tracy is just a cop who fights the comic book equivalent of Al Capone and all that. And in the comic, they have silly names like the brow, prune face, flat, flat top. top. And these... We said that exactly at the same time. <laughs> Chances of <laughs> And these folks are distillations of their names. So the brow is a guy who has many foreheads stacked on top of each other, basically. Um, you know what it lumps. feels like? It feels like a Stuart Gordon film. The makeup on some of these guys is grotesque and awe-inspiring. I almost feel like he should have directed it instead. Or like a Brian Usna thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, kind of. that's what I was thinking. You know, because those guys did a couple movies together. Kind of the same pattern. Yeah, uh, like prune face is really wrinkly and so on. Uh, flat top has a flat head. I think the makeup effects are really great. Very great, but as you said, they're they're a bit distracting. Trying to pick who's who. I still have a lot that I liked about it, and it's all art based. It's yeah, not necessarily completely. Even. Yeah, except for the kid, Charlie Cosmo is fascinating. I love that kid. I, I wish he yeah, he's more. cool. Go suck an egg. Uh, Glenn Headley, she gets no credit. She has supported a lot of um, movies, and, and no one really knows her name. Like she was fantastic in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, that's a good movie too. But yeah, like everybody who's in it. Oh, actually, the one thing that I can't stand about it is also. Madonna's music. Baby, it's time that you faced it. I always get my mind. Madonna, I wish she had not been cast. Every single I, moment she's on the screen, I am just like, oh, can they cast someone else, please? It's She's like a vacuum of interest. It's just like the only thing, and I don't mean to be crass or anything, is her boobs. That's what you're staring at if she's wearing that outfit uh, that shows off her boobs, and she does a few times. That's what you're staring at, and that's what she's there for, and yippity ya. Yeah, I'm 14 years old, and I'm at a PG movie looking at boobs. Thanks, parents. Thank you, I just hit puberty. Right, so that's Madonna's role. I don't care for it. Blah. However, Dick Tracy is still something to look at. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Dick Tracy, the movie, look at it. It's interesting. It's art. Tons and tons of art. They don't make movies. They hardly make movies like that ever. But they don't make movies like that anymore. So. And you know what's funny is, I don't know if they ever planned on doing a sequel. Because did you notice that pretty much everybody's dead by the time the movie? His whole rogues cast uh -huh. is wiped out in like two minutes. Yeah, there's a scene where he's just shooting a bunch of cars. And everybody dies. I was just like, okay, those bad guys are idiots. <laughs> they just all leave at the same time in a bunch of cars, stop their cars, get stuck in those cars, shooting at the cops, and the cops, for some reason, aren't getting shot, but their bullets are landing every single time. It's like the anti-heat. Like, that sequence is all like this chess piece, you know, or a way of the gun, you know, how it was all thought out. I was like, well, we, we're, you know, we gotta keep moving. These guys are just like, ah! <laughs> yeah. I say go ahead, but it's not the best. Not the best on the list. I love that music. Danny Elfman at this time was doing like every single kind of big budget fantasy film at the time. Apparently, Warren Beatty was insane to work with. That's all I read about Danny Elfman's score. So what, he had to redo it over and over and over and over or something? I don't know. I don't know. I, I huh. only know the... Uh, paraphrasing 
Warren Beatty was insane to work with. Well, I mean, he is a control freak, he's a perfectionist, and he takes forever to work on these movies. And, I mean, what, he has a new movie coming out for the first time since, what, 2001? It's been a really long time since he made a movie. Yeah. And I still don't understand what he's doing holding on to the Dick Tracy. By the time he gets it made, it's going to be called Dead Tracy. <laughs> Dead Dick Tracy. All right, what is our next movie? What is it? Oh, wait, I'm in control this yeah. episode. Oops. It is The Rocketeer. To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, the ultimate weapon. What do you got in there? But to Cliff Secord, it was just an innocent discovery. I wouldn't touch that if I... I mean, look, like a hood ornament. A discovery that will lead to the adventure of his life. I will not rocket. Not next week, not tomorrow. No. Oh, we got company. Jenny's in trouble. They're working for a Nazi agent. We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. And over the rocket. The Rocketeer. Disney thought this was going to be another massive hit, even though they should have been prepared. Dick Tracy didn't do as well as they thought it would. I think it cost like 50, 55 million. Half of that probably going to the fact that they burned down the set, made 100 million. So the Rocketeer, they're cashing all their, you know, oh yes, we're going to do this. And um, they didn't bother to really um, do any real merch for it. Uh, tons of. The Rocketeer is based on a comic that is based on. Radar Men from the Moon! Yeah, Zombies of the Stratosphere. And Bay Page, a little better page. Too. And so, like, so there's a serial back in the 40s of a guy with, uh, like, Bullet Man or whatever. He's got a kind of a bullet head, and he's a jetpack, and he flies. And Dave Stevens does this immaculately illustrated series. It's like five issues collected. It's a graphic novel, but... Which took forever to get out because every time he'd get an issue out, that company would go under, go to another one. It was like Comico, Eclipse, Dark Horse. I didn't know that. Wow. Why? Yeah, so it took years to get the whole miniseries out, and it wasn't his fault. It was just like every time he'd line up with a company, they would go under, and it was just like, how do you get people to read the whole damn That's thing? That's amazing. I didn't know that. But his artwork is... Yeah, he could have he he moved on, but it, he didn't. His so. artwork is just so great. And, <laughs> shameless, he drew Betty Page as the lead lady character. It's not anybody other than Betty Page. He just dug Betty Page so much he made her a character in the story. <laughs> Played by Jennifer Connelly in the movie. Actually, I should correct myself. Watching The Rocketeer, that's what brought me to puberty. Not <laughs> <laughs> the hot spot? I had a, uh, ro I couldn't watch that. That was rated R. <laughs> uh, I had a rocket in my pocket. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah, the hotspot. I wouldn't watch that till like the mid '90s. Like, snuck it off HBO. I was like, "Ooh, okay, let's see what this is." Holy crap! Yeah, that's what it was. HBO, right? Yep. Jennifer Connelly shows her boobs for the first time in the hotspot. That's yeah, 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 yeah. So this podcast is just going to be exclusively about boobs. There's just two. Not, not even that. <laughs> Except, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what. Should we refer to this as our boob cast? <laughs> our boob cast. Yes. There's a scene here, and I've always thought that this was annoying, in The Rocketeer. She's in the nightclub. She's introduced to some producer or somebody. And instead of just having the actor do the thing, we see from the actor's point of view. And the camera tilts and points at her boobs. <laughs> I found this to... Why did I remember that? I, it, was, it was in the nightclub. And I found this to be incredibly lazy. And I like Joe Johnson, and I think he's a good director. But I found that to be objectionable and lazy. And it's a Disney and film. It's a this is not Touchstone. This is a straight-up yeah, Disney film. Yeah, this is a Disney film. I, yeah, I have complete amnesia to that. Uh, uh, I don't. It always stuck out to me. Um, because boobs, and it's a Disney, for all the reasons. And I'm just like, what? That's out of... That's lame. 
just have the scene. Have the two people in the scene and the guy looks down and you see how creepy he is. You don't have to make me creepy. <laughs> Complicit, basically. <laughs> forcing me to yeah. do the thing. That is a weird choice. It's like, yes, they could show it from the side as he looks down. It's, it would be clear to the audience what he's doing. Yeah. But no, it's like, you're part of this now. Right, <laughs> see? <laughs> We're all guilty. See, that's what I'm saying. That was my objection. Now, later we're going to be in the dressing room. We're not going to let you look away. Yeah, so the film, though, I'd say is pretty great. This is my favorite superhero movie of yeah. all time. All, all time. time. Nothing beats it. Yes, it's not super complicated. It's not, you don't have to know anything beforehand. It doesn't have any of these, oh, that's so deep and dark. It's just fun. It's straightforward. Great action. Nazis are the best villain ever. No question about it. There's no other, I mean, unless you have Satan, but uh, I don't really like those kind of movies anyway, so I'm saying the Nazis are the best movie villains ever. <laughs> so Cliff Secord is just a pilot. He's a dust pilot and a stunt pilot. So he stumbles upon this jetpack that the mob stole. From Howard Hughes? Yeah, I'm you are right. Wrong. Terry O'Quinn. Like, how many times has Howard Hughes popped up in a movie? I mean, speaking of, uh, going back to Dick Tracy, that's what his next yeah, movie is Howard about. Yeah, Howard Hughes. Warren Beatty comes out of retirement for a Howard Hughes Howard movie. Hughes is a goldmine of weirdness. He's a weird man. Not that, that his, it's not like Cthulhu mythos weird or strange lasers from his eyes weird. He's just a really strange character in real life. He's got a legend around him. Yeah, Terry O'Quinn plays him. Yeah, but Terry, O'Qu- Terry O'Quinn didn't play him as weird. He doesn't play him like the way they do in the biography of him in the aviator you know where it's all his ticks and worries and where he fell apart right I mean, this is like just the high-minded like, big ideas kind of guy let's do this and he's not a villain or anything he just makes this jetpack but he doesn't want this jetpack to fall into the wrong hands but it falls into the right hands and he puts it on and then he makes his helmet which is awesome the helmet's great it beats the other so helmet iconic oh uh, okay let me ask you this what's the best movie poster of all time oh i don't know i'm not going to say that movie but this one no pretty- really that, no, no. that that'd be art deco rocketeer yeah, I'm not Poster into Art Deco, is, though. But, oh, I love that but one. No, uh, it's I didn't mean, graphically I didn't mean, great. It's graphically I didn't mean, great. Yeah, general, I didn't mean any movie, but I meant, like, I meant to say superhero movie. <laughs> um, does, Robo, does RoboCop count as a superhero movie? Because that poster is pretty fantastic as well. It's a painting, the RoboCop one, and that has always blown my mind. Yes, it's a painting. Who did it? I don't remember, but... Uh, I'd look that up. But I used to stare at it because I had the book and I, that I had a video cassette board game. And oh, I would, oh, okay. I would stare at the... Wait, Yeah. What, what do you mean video cassette board game? What did you do with it? I never played one of those. Uh, what, what did it do? It's, well, you, you roll the die and all that stuff. You get to the certain point where it says press play. So you press play and then it's a clip from the movie. Uh, severely edited so that the... Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> That's gross. Oh, he melted. Oh. No, it's like the guy's shooting in the, in the convenience store and he's yelling. All that's muted with machine gun fire. Why me? Drop the gun, you are under arrest. So, give me all that flippant money. <laughs> Holy milk guns. Yeah. Sort best, of, yeah. Best, what is the craziest? That's the craziest one I've ever heard is I was watching Spaceballs. Instead of him saying, Holy shit, when um, Princess, uh, you know, Druidia, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, she starts shooting the laser gun, takes out a bunch of the bad guys, and instead of saying "Holy shit," he goes "Holy muck balls." <laughs> That's weird. His mouth doesn't even move. I don't know that what's there. Yeah, I guess that you know what. I guess it's a Mel Brooks movie, so they can do what they want, and it's funny. It's not. It's like let's uh, if they're gonna make a censor this into a TV version of it, why not say something that doesn't fit in his mouth? Yeah. What What's the weirdest one you've heard? Uh, 
It's Big Lebowski. See what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? That's what happens. See what happens, Larry? That's what happens when you feed a scrambled eggs. The hell does that mean? <laughs> this is what happens when you F a stranger in the A. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, I don't think there's anything to censor in this movie. By the way, uh, Rocketeer and Dick Tracy, two unbelievably painful NES games. That Dick Tracy game is the kind of game that makes you want to throw the remote control through the TV and say, I'll never play video games ever again. Really? Yep, and then become a monk. It's so bad. It, that one, the whole concept, the idea, the, the playability is just terrible. Rocketeer isn't terrible, terrible. It's just boring and, and it's just not good controls. Hmm. I didn't have video game systems. I was deprived. <laughs> Oh, I played every single movie-based video game, and every single time I got burned, and I didn't learn until, like, the late 90s. So, basically, everybody, uh, the Rocketeer game is better than Dick Tracy. Back to Rocketeer, that's how I segue back. Woo! Uh, what a save. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was pathetic. That was weird. Uh, so, yes, uh, so he has the rocket. I love the scene where he he's experimenting with it, with him and Alan Arkin. How great is Alan Arkin? Uh, Alan Arkin's always great. He's always great. Alan Arkin is fantastic and everything, except for the one time they decided that he should be Inspector Clouseau, which is so painful because oh, his really? sense of humor does not line up with the Peter Sellers. It's it's really awkward and clumsy. Huh. But yeah, generally Alan Arkin is fantastic, and I feel like he kind of disappeared in the 80s. If you look at his filmography, he kind of faded away. So this is his kind of big pull back into studio hmm. films and getting people's attention. This is my first, um, my first experience with him and then Edward Scissorhands and then I've loved him forever. Oh, I forgot. Edward Scissorhands was six months before so I guess that's the first return. So he did this, uh, you know, showed up in uh, So I Married an Axe Murder and slowly started showing up more and more until the point where he became like a, a big thing again. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, he's absolutely he, amazing. He's got perfect timing, subtlety. He's perfect. And, and him and Billy Campbell work really well together. Kind of disappointed that after this Billy Campbell kind of faded away for a long time yeah for when I was a kid when I saw this movie I was like this is great fun cool neat Billy Campbell's kind of I don't know he's kind of too nice like too much of a, a bland blank no 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 he wasn't bland he wasn't boring like that he was just way too bright-eyed and Wow, golly, gosh, he's a super nice, swell guy. Is that actually, in reflection, isn't that a lot more enjoyable than the dark, cynical... You're uh, right, you're right. The, At yeah. the time, though, I was discovering other things. I was discovering Evil Dead and whatever, speaking of, he's the cousin of Bruce Campbell. So Really? I, yeah. I never thought that was proven. <laughs> yeah, he's I said cousin. that like it was like a crime. Uh, hasn't proved till he's guilty. Yeah, yeah, he's a cousin. Like, Bruce Campbell, you know, Evil Dead and what, whatever, I discovered around the same time, or shortly after, but I had seen some stuff of it anyway. started leaning, because I'm a teenager, I started leaning towards uh, the idea of personalities can be a little bit more sarcastic, smarmy. The anti-hero angle was just becoming a, a thing. Yeah. So, what with Batman and all that. So, I mean, that was that was sort of where I was at at the time. But now I watch it and I'm like, that's... I like that hero. I want that hero. I want that guy to be as gosh golly shucks about everything. I like nice people. <laughs> so, it's not a drawback anymore, but it was at the time. Were you thrown off by Timothy Dalton playing the villain? No, I wasn't. I was not, because Timothy Dalton always has this sort of bitter handsomeness 
in, in intensity that a lot of the Bonds don't really have. Everybody keeps saying that Sean Connery, his, his is the best. You know, he was so intense and, you know, he had the great one-liners and stuff like that. And I look back at the movies and I'm like, I don't see that intensity. I don't feel like I'm actually witnessing something that's life and death. When he took over the franchise, which most people hate, you know, those two entries, they're not the best entries. They're, but, they're like, but they're, they're like drug cartel, real world sort of entries. Yeah, not... it takes it, it takes it out of that fantasy element that almost drowned the series during Roger Moore's years and, and brings it back to what the books originally were about and something that we could actually relate to instead of it being right, fantasy, which made it darker and made it more frightening and made it more uh, not fantasy like you said took it out of the fantasy if they're not fun for us no this is like real stuff this is behind the scenes stuff that we don't get to see it's more jason bourne in a way than it is or the James Bond movies now. The ones uh, since Daniel Craig has taken over is more in line with what Timothy Dalton was doing. He was yes. way ahead of his time. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I will take his two entries. Shit, I'll take um, George Lazenby's entry over a couple of those Pierce Brosnan's. And I love Pierce Brosnan and GoldenEye is one of the best Bond movies ever made. But you get to the end, you're like, this is a cartoon. Yeah, it's all cartoons. So, uh, as a digression, <laughs> we talk about James Bond stuff, but... Because Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton is an underrated Bond, I would say. But here he plays, and he's played villainous type characters before. You mentioned Flash Gordon, and he was in there as Prince Arbor. He there was a villain ally. For a while he's a villain, and then he becomes an ally. Yeah. And that's where I first noticed him, and I liked it. By the way, I'm one of those people that really do like Flash Gordon, but I'd hardly ever watch it. Don't worry about that. But I do <laughs> like it. His character in that, he was really bitter. Very much this is my way you know that whole uh. and here he plays an errol flynn like character which the reason why spoilers he's a nazi sympathizer in the movie is that errol flynn was said to be a nazi sympathizer no kidding no kidding whoa that guy had one weird life behind the scenes yeah, Errol Flynn fascinates me. There's a couple movies about him out there. One that Kevin Klein just starred in, The Last Days of Robin Hood. And one with Duncan Rieger, you know, who played Dracula in The Monster Squad. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah. My Fascinating Life or something ridiculous. My Dangerous Life. I'll look it up. But he's a character that interests me greatly. And whenever someone plays... It's weird. They also have Howard Hughes, another fascinating character. So they grab these two real-life people and bring them into the movie. Well, no, wait. He's not literally playing Errol Flynn. No, he's playing a type of guy that's like him. So that's weird that they do not just like a Howard Hughes type. They actually have Howard Hughes, but then they go ahead and say, what, Errol Flynn, we're not going to use his name. Is that strange in movies when you can just take real life people and add fiction to their lives? Like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and then, you know, the whole Forrest Gump thing. It's, I almost think that's litigious by his ancestors. Like, yeah, no, it's, you can't it, Yeah, do that. I don't know. I really like FDR, American Badass. I really like the tall tale concept, telling big stories about people who weren't that big. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. That's legends. But since we don't have vampires, it doesn't quite work <laughs> with, with Abe Lincoln. You could have Abe Lincoln fighting some sort of steampunk proto-Nazi type of thing. Yeah. That the Nazis, the early years. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would make more sense uh, than vampires or zombies or werewolves or anything that we actually don't have. So, but I really do. I enjoy. Oh my god! In my head, I just thought of. <laughs> I just thought of. What if they turned that into a sitcom? Like, if Hitler was in his high school years, called it Saved by the Schnell. <laughs> That's funny. But there was a Hitler uh, sitcom. Was there? Yes. Heil, honey, I'm home. What? No. Heil, honey. Heil, smile, honey. Gee, it's great to be back. Hello, honey, I'm home. Yes. <laughs> Who was it? What was it about? <laughs> 
in your mind. Um, I, can't, I can't stop laughing at this. It's Hello, Honey, I'm Home. It's a British sitcom, and <laughs> it did not do well. It had eight, eight episodes, so one season, and not well received. Oh, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that exists. I gotta find this. It does, and it came out in 1990 of all oh time. Oh my god, this was a sitcom. Oh, was <laughs> it on a network? Was it syndicated? I gotta know more about this. It was British, BBC. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh well, they can get away with it. It'd probably be actually pretty good then if it's by the BBC. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty ridiculous. So, <laughs> what a big. What are we strange... even talking about? We're talking about Nazis. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, but this is a strange tangent. I don't mind it. I love it. Uh, I love. The Rocketeer is what I was trying to say before yeah. all of this. Oh, oh, here's the other one. Connection. Uh, not only do they have an Errol Flynn type, you know, because they have Howard Hughes, but they also have Rondo Hatton type. Oh, yes. Rondo Hatton's face. He plays the face. He plays the guy who comes in and he's a muscle. Yeah, which I didn't know was a real person until I had seen that episode of Mystery Science Theater. The thing is called The Brute Man. And I was like, oh my god, that guy was so old when he was in Rocketeer. And then I looked it up, I was like, oh, oh no, it's all fake. That I was thought, a I mask, like, yeah. I thought he was like 90. So Rondo Hatton, for those who don't know, Rondo Hatton played in all these serials and movies and film noir. He played a character, basically the face. Because his face, he had, uh, what is it? I don't know, big faciness? So he had uh, giantism, basically. So his facial features were very distinct. Other character actors have had uh, the same problem, even uh, Andre the Giant had. Robert Zadar. Yeah. So, this guy's face is actually much more striking and more interesting than those other actors we just mentioned. And he made his career of playing brutes, villains, the heavy for another major villain. They have now the Rondo Awards, which is a genre award, uh, and his face is the trophy that you take home if you get it. It's amazing. Get, it's just so iconic. Yeah. We know who he is, yeah. but I don't think general audiences know who Rondo Hatton is. Not really, but they'll they'll recognize the face from the Rocketeer the most. And yeah. that's a guy wearing a mask, but boy is it a good mask. It looks like his face. Hell yeah, I thought it was really the guy. Wow. And the special effects on his face are much better than the ones in Dick Tracy. I don't know if it's purposely like, oh this is supposed to look like it's right out of a comic strip of Dick Tracy, but Rondo Hatton, it looks like literally that is his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a great job. I love the ending. That ending on like a Hindenburg blimp kind of thing is just really creative, imaginative, and terrifying because I'm afraid of heights. Anything oh. that's set in a high area. <laughs> run, <laughs> run Away with Tom Selleck is not that good of a movie, but that end sequence where he's on that stupid elevator thing, I'm like, ah! Sweat, sweat, sweat. <laughs> okay, so I have a question. I was watching some reviews doing research for this. There was one in particular that made the comment that this was too much for one movie. That No way. The Nazi story could have taken uh, the sequel, while the main focus was getting the rocket pack and back him the fighting the mob and all that. Um, I guess you could have done that. You could have taken it into two movies. I mean, they were planning a trilogy. I'm still mad about this. <laughs> I remember reading when they signed on, everybody was like, oh, they signed up for three pictures. Uh, this is just the first one of a three-picture uh, three trilogy or whatever. And I was like, oh my god, I can't wait for the other parts. I kept waiting around. I was like, well, maybe at this point they'll just do Son of the Rocketeer. They'll just do another one. Please, someday just do one. And guess what just happened as we were uh, getting ready to record this? Yeah. We just got news that they're developing a new one. Sequels. Alright, let's move on to our next movie unless we have something else to say about it. No, I don't. Rocketeer's great. It's fantastic. Uh, next one is going to be The, the Shadow. Shadow. In a world divided between good and evil. I'm not afraid of you. But I am. Meet a man who is both. 
On July 1st, the whole world will know what evil lurks in the hearts of men. Alec Baldwin, The Shadow. Yeah, so... <laughs> this cackle I can't get right, but he always does that and it's so unnerving. It's like, oh shit, that's a cackle. Ugh. So The Shadow came out as a bunch of pulp story things, and I don't know what magazine. So it became that, and then I think they did a comic strip of it or something, or maybe not. Maybe that was way later. No, no, I don't think they ever did a comic strip of it. They went to that, then they went to the radio serials. Radio. Then they did a few movies. Mm-hmm. I think they did. Yeah, they did movies. They did a pilot and, for a TV show that never took off called The Invisible Avenger. Yeah, well, they, they had to because they lost the rights on it the last second. And then, well, the comics do exist, but the comics existed later. Yeah, it wasn't until the 70s. DC Comics started doing them, and um, Kucha, I think, Mike Kucha. Excellent artwork. That was kind of popular. The Shadow has been in comics quite often, but he's never popular enough to really take off. It's usually for a year or two, and that's it, and people just lose interest. The only time that he was ever kind of successful pop culture outside of the serials was in the mid-80s. DC uh, optioned the rights. They did The Shadow Strikes, which is the 1940s Shadow. And then they had, like, his grandson show up in the 80s version, which was, I think, just called The Shadow, and it was set in the 1980s, and he's taken on the mob. It was kind of like Miami Vice mixed with old film noir. Both huh. excellent. Actually, really, really interesting comics, and, you know, that started building a lot more interest in it. And, of course, Batman allowing for old heroes to come back is when Universal Studios put their money down for The Shadow. Right. So now, The Shadow is directed by Russell Mulcahy, who is totally hit and miss with his... It is. He's a frustrating director who I thought was dead. I was convinced he died like five years ago. No way. And someone dude. goes, no, I just talked to him last week. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, at a seance? No. He's still alive and kicking. See, I uh, thought he died. I just, I don't know. Let's, I let's do his... Let's do a CV real quick. Razorback, which is really interesting Australian thing about a giant boar. With uh, Gregory Harrison, right? Yeah. I think the only time he's ever made a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting. It's really strange. Yeah. That, that like was it. at a time when, when American actors were going to Australia for exploitation films and yeah. doing these. Do they have an audience over there? Who cares? Who knows? They just got their <laughs> agent and their agent said, yeah, in Australia they have some. Go ahead and do that over there. So I will take exploitation movies with American actors were always of better quality than the Italian versions. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. And then he did uh, Highlander, which is really his claim to fame. Two yeah. Highlander movies. He did Highlander one, which is his claim to fame, and then his like he kind of undid that with Highlander two. Highlander two is unbelievably confusing and. None of it makes any sense, but it looks good. But it had flying hoverboard people, so that was interesting. He goes on, and he eventually gets the shadow. Well, no, he did the real McCoy before that. With Kim Basinger and Val Kilmer. So that's what he got his oh, pedigree back. Yeah, okay. well, that's also I where he started that. linking up. That's, that was with Universal Studios, so he was already tied down with them, so that's probably why he made the top of the list. How they didn't end up going with Sam Raimi, I don't understand how that never happened. Because he... Sam Raimi really wanted to do The Shadow, but he, he, he couldn't do it. He, they didn't want him, so he did Darkman instead, yeah. which is so, so shadowy. <laughs> There's so many things that he rips off from The Shadow. Maybe by this point, he felt like he had already done it, and he needed to do something else. And that's when he did Quick and the Dead, was during this time period. Now he's trying to do The Shadow, but he said that he just can't get the script right, and I think he lost the rights this year. So it's kind of a bummer. Aww. What stuns me is The Shadow has never made it into animation. How has it never been in a movie? or a special or even like a short 13 episodes nothing that's weird 
You would expect it. I, I would expect it to be on that uh, Defenders of the Universe or that whatever. A different company. That was King Syndicate. They owned the rights to Flash Gordon, Ming the Merciless, and the Phantom. Yeah, they, they own the rights to Serial. Their whole thing is serials, and they made those into cartoons. Yeah, and comic strips. Let's focus on The Shadow. What is the story of The Shadow? It's Batman, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. Now that you've seen Batman Begins, definitely feels like, oh, huh, there's bits and pieces here that feel like other movies. Uh, it instead of, instead of going to Tibet or whatever in the Batman movies to become this horrible drug lord, whatever, yeah. he just goes and becomes a ninja in this he goes and becomes this horrible drug lord my ninja then he's uh, a monk comes over and says hey you've got this power this way about you you're very influential i can make that a, a good thing and by tapping into your darkness i can i can make it a good thing wait so, wait are, okay so are you are, are you shadow. telling me if things had gone the other way instead of him being the shadow he would have been a trumpy <laughs> a what a trumpy <laughs> he would have oh, yeah, sway over people Oh, right, right, power. yeah. He would have been like a he would have been like a, a Sith Lord, basically. <laughs> yeah, what if there was that mountain on the opposite side where that, oh, I just took the wrong direction, now you're a villain. That's where um, <laughs> Shao Kahn comes into it. Shao Kahn? Is that the right character? Yeah, that is actually, Shao Kahn is, is the other side of the coin. I almost said Shao, I thought Shao, Shao Kahn, Kahn for a second there was from Jungle Book, I couldn't remember. No, he's, uh, he's played by John Lone, who is... A uh, guy who doesn't do a lot of acting, but he, whenever he does, did you it's see amazing. The Hunted, the one he did right after this for Universal? Oh no, Ooh. I've heard you recently you... mentioned this about The Hunting that you really, really like it. I like it mostly because of John Lone and the guy who, who are the samurai guys. I've never seen him before or since. He did a bunch of movies over there. Have you seen but, the movie um, Ice? No, I haven't. I was going to watch Iceman, and then I found out it had nothing to do with X Men. <laughs> <laughs> no, Iceman is Mind very you... interesting. He plays a prehistoric man, and he's fr yeah. unfrozen, and he becomes a lawyer. <laughs> so, no, no, he doesn't do the lawyer thing. I know but. I don't have your modern intellect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a simple caveman. So he does, he, he's, he really portrays that. It was lampooned in Encino Man. They went silly with it, but he does it without any silliness. Even though there's humor there, it's not silly at all. It's very interesting. John Lone's great, and he plays the villain here in The Shadow. The flip side of The Shadow himself. I, I want, I, yeah, I want to know this, though. Villains are always bent on world domination. Why? What do they want so much? Why? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like that's a lot of work, dude. What's the end game? I know what, what, you... what is, what's going to happen once they dominate the world? I know. It's like, what goals do you have after that? They, you're done. What do you do? You're just like, my life is meaningless now. I've accomplished everything. You, ha you have to support the people. Even if you enslave the people, you have to keep them alive. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I never understand that kind of thing. Uh, unless you're completely insane and you want to blow up the world, but I guess that's not world domination. But there's always seems to be those two kind of plots. I want to take over the world, or B, I want to blow up the world. So some people just want to watch the world burn, bringing it back to Batman. I understand that. That's nihilism. I don't understand world domination. To become rich off the backs of workers, I guess, but... Do you have any idea the paperwork that has to go into world domination? Shit, you never get anything done. Just fill out sign here, sir, sign here, sir, sign here, sir. <laughs> right, so that that's very interesting about these, these movies in which there's that major overarching plot. Get this giant bomb, hold the world for ransom, then what? And that's the case here. They hijack a scientist and get him to work, who was played by Ian McKellen. Yeah, I didn't realize I had seen him before. I saw him in this... In 
in Last Action Hero, but of course you don't recognize certain people until later. You're like, oh, oh, I didn't, okay, I, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I didn't realize he was in something before Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And X-Men. Yep. And uh, so uh, Penelope Ann Miller plays his daughter and she can see through. Okay. How do you feel about her? I felt like she was really, really dull. You think she's really dull? Yep. I think she's a fine actor who never gets the right role. That, that could very well be. And she plays it cute and goofy. This movie has a lot of uh, inconsistent feeling to me. I, I really like a lot of it. I like the shadow play, literally, when he bursts out of the shadows and starts punching dudes. The special effects are actually still stand up right now. It's it's a little like X-Men Nightcrawler. Yeah. The bamf! Bamf! That's cool. Cinematography's all good and everything. Tim Curry's character. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. That one of the most... That end sequence when he's... <laughs> Why isn't he a scientist? He is a scientist, but they never show him sciencing. Science is hard. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Let's not write into the movie. just say they're scientists. It's, it's a 50s way of doing science. I'm a scientist that does science. What do you do? I don't know. It's just science stuff. I have these beakers and tubes. <laughs> right. That's kind of what he is, even though they don't show him. They don't show him in a scientific environment, except when he's prodding Ian McKellen to get his job done. I like uh, Peter Boyle in this movie quite a bit. Yeah, it's really good. Here's my problem with the movie. A, Shao Kahn is a great villain, but I just don't feel like the... John Lone does an excellent job, but I just don't feel like something about it just doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't work for me. The movie is all over the place. I don't know. It's just one of these scenes where I keep watching it going, I get it, but I don't get it. What is the driving point you know everybody's cool they look great the movie looks fantastic great special effects where's the heart where's the where's the engine that makes this movie go right and alec baldwin is the shadow he's also the counter character lamont cranston and as lamont cranston he's actually kind of boring but he batmans more than batman does could why wasn't he batman how is it that michael keaton got it instead of him when uh, tim burton's on set going oh yeah let me look at these two mm, mm. that one looks like batman forget it He's not a name. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Alec Baldwin should have been Batman. He looks like it, and he has the skills. Maybe, well, he wasn't maybe a name so. yet. He Batman's more than Batman. What I mean is he does a lot of detective work. He goes for, and tries to connect the dots in this movie way more than any Batman movie until the most recent Batman movie with Ben Affleck. They actually had him do detective work. Yeah. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying he does Batman World Greatest Detectiveing. And here, The Shadow actually does... More of that than most other Batman. Yeah, it bugs me that Batman in the movies is always portrayed as a, a, a brawler. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that is part of it, but, you know, before, uh, you know, the 80s happened, Batman was a lot more um, pensive and thoughtful, and, and he would, like, solve a mystery instead of punching a mystery. Yeah, he death. was more Sherlock than... Survivalist warrior. What, what's, All right. what's the next movie that we've got? I know what it is. Our final... You don't know. It's a mystery. It's going to be the, the Beans of Pennsylvania, starring Rudger Howard. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Beans of Pennsylvania? I don't know. The title changed three times. I swear it was called the Beans of Pennsylvania when it came out in theaters, and then it was like turned into something else when it came on video, because no one went and saw it. <laughs> what is the movie that we're talking about? What, you mean the Beans of Pennsylvania or the Phantom? <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom! Just take a look around. Darkness rules the Earth. In a dangerous world. Governments crumble. Chaos reigns. In a treacherous time. There is opportunity in chaos. Evil is a fact. We shall succeed where they have failed. Drax is on a quest for a supernatural power. They know far too much. And courage. Stop them. They're the only one who can. Is a phantom. Who was that guy? Somebody I already killed. There are some who say... 
is only a myth. Soon they will discover the Phantom is real. Ah, uh, the Phantom. Ah, uh, God, they were doomed. They were doomed the second that purple suit came out. Man, just ridiculous. They had to make it such a kid's movie. Such a high adventure aimed at eight-year-olds because there's no way any grown-up would look at that suit and go, oh yeah, that, that's my kind of thing right there. Well, I can tell you this. I like this movie. I liked it when I saw it in the theater with my dad and a pastor friend of ours, but they, they did not like it. Afterwards, they were like, oh God, that was a, ugh. And I was like, but, but what? Why? Because <laughs> it's it's it, it's so safe. It's so unbelievably safe. And almost kind of bland. TV movie-ish, almost like a high-budget TV movie. I just don't. Well, now, now Rocketeer is very PG and safe, but it's so much character and life in it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It was TV-ish because the director, although known for working on the Indiana Jones movies, also directed the TV Indiana Jones movies, some of them, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which are TV. I didn't know that he ever did those. I know he did Lonesome Dove, Simon Winsor, that's where he got his name. He did Quigley Down Under, which is a much better movie. Quigley Down right? Under is amazing. And that is, uh, that is a also, movie. That is then cinema. He, did, he followed it up with Marlboro Man and Harley Davidson or whatever. No, go away. He did, he directed that right God, after Quigley Down Under. Go away. But the Phantom, I don't think they, they shot it with as much depth and scope as they needed to. Yeah, it's it's flat. It looks so flat. There are some really great stunts. You just have to watch it again. The bridge stunt is a real yeah. thing. It might not be as treacherous, but the bridge stunt at the beginning with that, the car flipping over good. on the bridge and getting caught in the uh, reeds. That's insane for using an actual truck and not a miniature. And there's a biplane scene, and the Phantom and Christy Swanson are on the plane and they have to get off the plane because it's jammed or something, and they drop down on his horse. That's a real stunt scene. That's real. That's like something that uh, right now, if they did that in a Tom Cruise movie, Tom Cruise would be like, I have to do that scene myself. And then you'd be like, no stuntman? He's no stuntman. But what but about your face, sir? <laughs> it's stuntman, so. But it's a still really good set piece. Now, the Phantom, let's break it down. What's the story? The Phantom is a purple dude? Purple dude who's been doing this for, well, not him personally. Kit Walker is a long line of walkers who walk. Ghosts. <laughs> Ghosts who walk. Uh, that's the thing with the Phantom is that every time a Phantom dies, you know, the next generation takes over for him. So that's why they call him the Ghost Who Walks because I swear I killed you. I think even um, James Remar. James Remar is like, I did not kill you. You know, so every family member, you must be kind of like, uh, what if one of the kids are like, look, you know, I know that the last eight of you have died horrendously doing this. Can I get out of this at all? Can I go to college? Anything? <laughs> oh, wait, no. They, isn't that how Kit met um, Kirstie Swanson's character as they went to college together in the city? Yeah. It's another Batman situation. They're billionaire playboys. They're always super rich. Not always. Cliff Secord was working class. Maybe that's why he's the best one. Yeah. I like working class heroes, man. I don't like the ones that have unlimited amount of money, even though they're entertaining. I mean, Tony Stark's entertaining. Uh, Adam West. Or not Adam West. Oh, my God. Where'd I go with that one? <laughs> Adam West is Batman. <laughs> no, Bruce Wayne <laughs> is, uh, you know, the millionaire and everything. But no, billionaire. Let's talk billionaires. They're the one percenters. They're the enemy in the real world. Weird. But I relate to the working class guys. I like Dick Grayson uh, way more than I do. 
to Bruce Wayne because he wasn't rich in the first place. Yeah. You know, I like Peter Parker. Or guys who made themselves. Like, Bruce Banner had uh, some money, but it's because he was a scientist. Reed Richards had all that money because he developed all of those patents, you know? There's a reason why he's rich. He didn't inherit the money. Yeah, yeah. So the, the people who are just born into the money are then somehow our heroes. I find that to be really strange. And the Phantoms... I mean, they do have... They always have all these gadgets, too. I like the guy who just has nothing, really, and just and busts his ass. Yeah, the Phantom himself, though, Kit Walker, it's obvious that he's a, a rich dude, but I don't know how the Phantom thing works with gaining money and stuff. Probably gold coins he found out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> I mean, jungle? He's got one hell of, jungle, you mean? He's got one hell of a cave. I mean, that is spacious. Yeah, so he... He is basically an anti-pirate guy. Pirates come around that land in the jungle, and he fights them. So how does the Phantom go to the city and have to fight people in the city? I don't know. In the comics, he rarely ever goes outside the jungle. Right, so he's just a jungle fighter. He fights for the people of the jungle. So here, the MacGuffin are three skulls made out of three different materials. Gold, bronze, and silver or something and when yeah, they're yeah. brought together their jewel encrusted eyes form a big old laser of superpower which makes no sense yeah well uh, how what what, what, what? Are you gonna, is it always on <laughs> yeah i mean at any point i say ah i shot a wiener off again <laughs> like, point that somewhere else so the big bad guy is this guy named Xander drax what x-a-n-d-e-r-d-r-a-x Xander Drax begins and ends with the letter X from New York City. Great, great fake name. <laughs> nah, you see, I love Treat Williams in this role. He's Treat so Williams funny. is the only, well, okay, so I like Billy Zane in this role, but he's not swaggery enough. Bruce Campbell was okay. going to be yes. the Phantom, and it would have been perfect. In an alternate reality, there is a movie version of the Phantom by the original director and the original, well, not the original choice, but another one of the choices, Joe Dante was supposed to direct yeah. this, and he backed out and just produced it. If Joe Dante had done this with Bruce Campbell, holy crap. It would have been, it would have had so much swagger. I don't mean the current term of swagger poppin' collars, but the Bruce Campbell way of line delivery. He would actually have to act and not be the ass. Or the chin, because that's what he does. He uh, signed that deal with Paramount after leaving Briscoe County Jr., and all he got out of it was a five-minute scene in Congo and a five-minute scene in Escape from L.A. That's kind of a bummer. He could have been the star of this movie. Yeah, he should have been. I like Billy Zane, though. Let's not knock him. No, I mean, Billy Zane's great. Him... He just doesn't have... He's so smooth. He's beautiful. Yeah. He's lovely. He's smooth. Every once in a while, he gets let loose, like in Demon Knight. Sure. You know, stuff like that, where he just right. like... Demon Knight, more, you know, Demon oh, Knight oh, oh. is a combination of smooth, sinister, and swagger. He just needs to nix the sinister for Phantom, and he's got the... It would be right, but he doesn't have that swagger in it. I'm wondering why they didn't let him... I'm really bummed that after this in Titanic, that Billy Zane disappeared. Just dried up and disappeared. You would think after the lead in a studio movie, even though it didn't do very well. And Titanic, the biggest movie in the world at the time, he would have got some more studio stuff. No, immediately after that was just TV. TV and direct TV video. and direct video. How? Well, it still pays its bills, and he's still a playboy out there in the French Riviera. He's awesome. Out. He, in my mind, is the perfect Lex Luthor. Huh, that's interesting. Now, take the roles and switch them. Billy Zane as Xander Drax, and Treat Williams as the Phantom. Yep. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> oh, I would take it. Treat Williams has that look, and he has that fun, like, kind of smarmy thing. I know the substitute movies are dreadful, low-budget garbage, but he is amazing in each one of them. Yeah, he's good. 
He, I know what you're talking about. And he does about. all his stunts. He he does all his own stunts. I, mean, I really like the yo-yo thing that he does. And yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Phantom, he has a bunch of pirates at the end of the movie that help him out. That's cool. But everything looks like it's a set after they get out of the jungle. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed the New York setting. I love it, pretty much anything in the old style. New York or Chicago or whatever it is. I love that look. After that, it's just kind of... I don't really get into the jungle. I don't really like those kind of adventures. But I guarantee you that after Tarzan did more than they expected it and Jungle Book exploded, I bet you that high adventure kind of movies are going to be the next wave. Yeah, well, they, they tried to bring back some pulp in 2011, I think it was, and it didn't work. What was it? The Green Hornet. The Green Hornet has been attracting a lot of attention. I want you to come with me on this adventure. The team. Want to see something cool? How did you do that, dude? The car. Oh, yeah. The gadgets. Go! The Green Hornet. Oh, well, that wasn't pulpy, though. Well, and no, I that is that is based on the cereal. That is based on cereal. That's true. You know, Green Hornet actually did better than people keep saying. It I know, it cost, I know. Green it Hornet wasn't... Way, it's not even a bad it, movie. It's just not the right time for it. Here's the thing that bugs me, is whenever they say a budget and you don't see it on the screen, it's because they uh, absorb the production cost. Do you know that Green Hornet was in pre-production in 1988, and that's how long it took to get to the screen? Wow, no, it didn't. And, and every time they wrote a script, they would sign somebody on, they would develop it they had to absorb the cost so green hornet said it cost 110 million i guarantee you it didn't cost more than 80 wow yeah yeah and that's what makes the movie a success it's 30 million dollars of excess that wasn't actually in the movie and the movie i think made 190 or 200 worldwide so therefore it actually is successful yeah you know what i don't have a problem with green hornet everybody else does and i'm not a big seth rogan fan either uh it was kato's show in that movie but oh definitely i really enjoy that film and i think that uh, michelle gondry's work in that film, merging his weirdo visual style that he does, all his trickery. Oh, so wonderful. Whenever he employs it in that, and he does it sparingly, maybe too sparingly, it's knockout. It's yeah, fantastic. I just, yeah, I think people wanted it to be closer to the original Green Hornet, where he was fairly competent. I liked the angle they worked on it, and I figured by the time they got to Green Hornet 2, that he would be a lot better. And by the time the trilogy, I mean, if there is going to was to be a trilogy, by the time the trilogy is over, he's a fully competent right. hero. Right, so I was looking up some stuff for this podcast itself earlier today and I watched a little bit of the Green Hornet serial on YouTube uh -huh. and there's a moment where the Green Hornet is talking to Kato and he's like it was a lucky day for me when I rescued you from that native in Singapore he tried to kill me because I am a Korean you shall never be sorry you saved my life you repaid me many times for your faithful service Kato thank you Mr. Britt well, have you tried the new horn? listen uh, Sounds like the giant green hornet we encountered in Africa. Everything about this car is most unusual. You're right. It was all built here in secret. When I spring it on the world, everybody will be most surprised. Yeah, and it'll prove to that skeptical old dad of mine that I'm not just a playboy. No kidding. No freaking kidding. That We're is the crux the of... Yes, uh, that is the crux of the new movie, the remake. I was like, wow. I just have it upon this little scene. That's great. That is it. And they, it's still, people are like, what? No, Seth Rogen? Party bro? No. Do you realize that we accidentally added a fifth movie that actually fits? No, I, I did this deliberately. Oh, I realized this sneaky. earlier, so you're about I was you're about sneaky. sneaky. 
<laughs> so let's reflect on all five movies. Uh, Dick Tracy, yes or no? Yes, but for art. Yes, definitely. Not really for fun. Not, not for the can... performances either, except for Char Charlie Cosmo and Glenn Headley. Yeah. Actually, Charlie is the standout here because he's bright and he's natural. He's good. Yeah. Even if he's saying stuff that isn't natural in a way that the kids don't act anymore or didn't at <laughs> yeah. the time, he's still good and he's solid competent. So, yes for the kid and for the art direction. Second movie, Rocketeer, all the way. All the way, buddy. 10 out of 10, in my opinion. Yes. I, w I would still not say 10. I'd say 8. Just special effects. But there's this... Oh, we didn't talk about it. There's this big animated sequence. It's a propaganda film. Oh, I love Amazing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's done by the Disney Studios, but they did it based on old Nazi propaganda animation stuff. Yeah. But it's so good. It shows the plan of what they want to do with the rockets, and it's great. That's a big thing for me. At, at the time, that was a really big selling point, so... Uh, yes, Rocketeer. Definitely. And The Shadow. <laughs> That's intense. <laughs> Go read the comics, kids. The ones from DC Comics in the 80s, perfectly captured it. Even the ones from Dark Horse. Around this time, Dark Horse optioned the rights to Shadow. And they did a couple. Kaluta, I said the right wrong name. Kaluta did the art. He did some really great stuff. And in fact, I think Dynamite Press is doing some comics right now with them. They have one called Masks, which is The Shadow, Green Hornet, uh, I Forgot and I Forgot. It's all those kind of contemporary heroes of the 40s all getting together for one super team. And it's really great. Uh, oh, Alex Ross does the poster. Cool. Check out that one. That one's really good. Uh, the movie looks great. Um, the movie... The actors are fine. You know what? Hey, here, here's the movie. Like, I always do this. That stupid I always knife. Can I just tell you that this... stupid knife is so looks so terrible. It always looked terrible. Yeah, it's never been that good. But it's a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, definitely. I heard the Shout Factory put out a pretty good Blu-ray for it. Yeah, this I didn't get all the information off of that. But yeah, I don't have that. I'm right. not going to drop 30 bucks for it. <laughs> but anyway, I say find it somehow. Watch it on a Saturday afternoon. Pretend that you flipped channels and then what's this and then settle down and take a nap saturday afternoon definitely uh, all right phantom yeah all right skip i'm skip okay it. with it it's uh you say skip yeah i used to have that this little ring though by the way the little skull ring they give them away at best uh, buy but they're all for little kids a friend of ours worked uh, there and he grabbed us a bunch and then we realized they're too small so everybody put theirs on necklaces and i took a plier <laughs> and pulled it apart and fit it on my little pinky <laughs> Biggest dorks And, the, and then your pinky fell off because it's, yeah, yeah, restricted blood. Now you have no pinky. They call me Nine Fingers Tony. <laughs> so I, okay, so I like Phantom more than you do. I'll yeah, say that. Nothing, nothing in that movie really works for me. I try to watch it once a decade and every time I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, it's not that good. <laughs> yeah, you want it to be better. You do definitely want it to be better. Slam Evil. And our final slip in. Yeah, Green Hornet. I say go, go for it. Don't be a jerk about it, though. Seriously, yeah. don't be a jerk. Yeah, it's a lot Just better. Take it as it is. Actually, do you realize we actually slipped in a sixth one? Kind of, Flash Gordon. Yeah. I, we mentioned it twice in different yeah, areas. What, what about that one? You recommend it. I'm, uh, you have to All right, it. I'll tell you this. You the movie. term camp absolutely applies. I usually object to the word camp. It totally applies here. Oh, God. I listen to album all the time when I was a kid. Love. Oh, that's got, it's got oh. an amazing soundtrack. That's true. Like, I, uh, can... I love the part where he's like, he just keeps going, dive. Yeah. Dive. Yeah, the... <laughs> Brian Blessed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Flash Gordon has a better soundtrack than it is a movie. So I can listen to the soundtrack lots more, especially that mega cut of the theme song with all the sound, with all the sound, uh, sound bites. Max Von Sydow is excellent as being the merciless. I just don't like the good side. The good side's dull and boring. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very very cartoony without looking like a cartoon. I don't know. 
Yes, I enjoy Flash Gordon, I do. So there, there's the rundown. Okay, so that's it. We are done. Enjoy those, don't enjoy them, whatever. Just honestly give the Green Hornet a second chance. Sure. I just, I'm bummed. I actually like this era of movies, and they don't do it very often, because almost all these movies bombed. I think the only time I remember is they did Captain America, you know, that was set during this era, and I think Wonder Woman's going to be set during this era. Yeah, so. Wonder Woman's actually going to be set uh, in 1918. Well, close enough. Close, close enough. enough, people. All right, on that note, catch you guys later. See ya. Video night. You're part of this now. <laughs> We're all guilty.